Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell, and today we are going to be talking about deer hunting, in particular, firearms deer hunting. This weekend here in Missouri is when our firearms deer season starts, and you know, it's almost a rite of passage or maybe a holiday here in our state. I can remember as, as a young kid uh, getting taken out of school early for deer season. I know some some school districts here locally actually have days off of school planned during deer season so there are just so many people that are going to take time to go out um, and enjoy creation and try to harvest deer with their family spend time with family and friends um, in the in the woods hunting that it is it is definitely a part of our culture where we live and i know many areas of the u.s that is true but we kind of really want to address well i mean we want to talk a lot about specifics of firearm hunting but we want to address how it affects you maybe you're a non-hunter maybe you're against hunting or or maybe you're not against it but you've never really had the opportunity or the interest to do so it still affects you and we want to talk about those things as well but before we start let's give thanks Uh, i want to i want to give thanks to the men and women that are actually managing and taking care of our deer um, that allows us the opportunity to 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 still get to go hunt because Yes, we the people own those animals, but we do elect and and they pick the people that are going to go out and take care of them. And and without them, I would not get, I would have never got to go through the rite of passage. So thankful. And you recently were in Poland and you really saw how different that can look and how fortunate we are to have the hunting freedoms that we do have. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just want to say today that I am thankful for healing, you know, we don't have a, a breath or a minute that is promised here on this earth. We're promised nothing, and, and we go through illnesses and diseases, and our bodies are amazing, and, and a lot of times, most of the time, we come out we come out healed, and you know, you, you've been sick, and you've had sick family recently, and, mm-hmm. and my kids have been sick, and um, when, when people get better, it, it is relieving, and, and a weight is gone, and um, whether it's just a, a couple-day illness um, it impacts your family, your work, your relationships. It impacts everything. So when healing is present and you can see it, I'm thankful for that. It's good. Yeah. So speaking on uh, deer hunting, you know, when did you, did you start firearms deer hunting? You know, when you and I were kids, it seems like I remember that's kind of all there really was. I mean, there were people that bow hunted, but it wasn't like today. The equipment wasn't like it is from the tree stands to the bows to the arrows Things were a little more rudimentary, not as accessible. I didn't know a lot of people that bow hunted. Now it seems like everybody does, but my goodness, when it came time for the Orange Army, as we call it, uh, it, it was a holiday. It is a, still a holiday. People flock to places to go hunt, and that's how I got started really hunting was was with with deer and uh, with with a firearm, and I have great memories of it. I, I have kind of lost interest in it, if I'm being candid, as, as I've gotten older. Um, but definitely uh, was where I started my passion for, for white-tailed deer was with a firearm in my hand. Yeah, it was, it was the same with me. It was definitely a, a 30-30, um, iron sights, you know. It was starting off. Are you bragging? Well, I mean, no, that's oh, today. Oh, I don't, I don't oh, use that over there. I got my labor action, uh-huh. iron sights. Exactly. That's, it was just like the basics. It was like, I kind of like to get back to that one day. I mean, now we, we, you know, we go out and we, we buy these high dollar scopes and put them on our 30 out sixes and they can shoot mm-hmm. several hundred yards. And, you know, um, I, I get where you're coming from where you've maybe lost a little interest in that rifle side i mean so much that you and i we we do go out and and muzzleload hunt now mm-hmm. and because it's more difficult it's it's more fun for us you know um but i've missed deer with a 30-06 with a, an amazing high-powered rifle scope i mean i missed them so you know starting out yeah it was just a 30-30 and i remember my very first deer was a doe and gosh there's a lot of emotion but it was amazing you know and then moving up into um archery 
was a was a thing my family did, but I don't even remember what age it was, but you have to be strong enough to shoot a bow that's going to be um, strong enough to harvest a deer. And so yeah. I think my, my family was wise in, in allowing me to get older before I even thought about archery hunting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And archery is a thing that your family did might be kind of an understatement being that you have family that owns a bow company. Well, that, that's very true. <laughs> My first bow was a compound, though. I mean, it okay. was, yeah, it was a compound. Um, my uncle, I remember, he he took me to Bass Pro and got me set up with my first compound bow. Yeah. Um, Would you have ever done that had he not taken you? No. Yeah? No. I think that's there's an important message there that, that we have to be, as if we want to pass this on through generations, if, if we want hunting... Um, and firearm safety and 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 the skill of archery. If we want these things to live on, then we have to be willing to share that. So uh, that that's why you have those things in your life today is because somebody shared it with you, and and I can say the same. And I really everybody's going to say that. There's there's going to be those few outlier stories where people just stepped up and was like, you know what, I'm interested in hunting. Right. I'm 25 years old now. Right. I'm going to go buy a bow. But um, more times than not somebody has introduced and even in those stories you know they're those people are walking up to um, a firearm counter and they're saying hey i want to do this i have no idea what i need and and somebody working back there behind them is going to coach and be willing to share with that to share with them the thing you know what kind of ammo they need what kind of what type of what caliber of firearm that they need how to use it, maybe take them back to the range. Somebody is going to have to pass on knowledge, information, and skill to them for them to be able to to enjoy that pastime of hunting. Right, because if it's not that, it will be something else. Mm-hmm. So whatever, you're, whatever you got going on around you is what you're going to be a part of. You know, my son's into basketball right now, and we've been playing some teams that are like, Okay, let me let me share out there real quick. My son's seven. He's in second grade, and you got some some kids on on other teams that are like better than I am at, at ball control. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just unreal. And Ben's really good. At and ball I'm control. really good at basketball. <laughs> but I'm just saying that like at the age and the level that some of these kids are. But if you were to rewind, what what are they spending their time? What are they doing? You know especially when you get into to some of your bigger cities, these kids are getting off the bus and they're going to play ball. Mm-hmm. That's what they're exposed to. That's what, that's what they're going to keep doing. So if you're not exposed to hunting and, and people aren't taking you out, you're not going to go do it. You're If you're not going to play basketball, you're going to stay inside and you're going to get on your, your video game system. I mean... Yeah, the, the desire is not even going to be there. You don't know to have it. <laughs> when, I, when I was a young fella, the only reason that I even wanted to go deer hunting was not because I wanted to go take the life of a deer. I didn't even know what that meant. I wanted to go be with my dad. I wanted my dad to be... deer hunted. I wanted to go with him because I thought it was so cool every year that he left. He went and had fun, loaded his coolers and his tent and all his stuff and his and his gun, and he 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 came back with a, a four day beard and deer in the back of the truck, and we got to string him up in the tree, and that was so cool. I wanted mm-hmm. to do it. I wanted to do it with him. So when I became of age to go do that, it was like. I don't even really care about killing deer. I mean, I want to, but I really want to go do this with my dad because my dad does it. Yeah, I wanted to make them proud of me. Mm-hmm. That was a huge reason for going. I wanted to come back with a deer. <clears throat> it might not even be deer, it was squirrel hunting. I mean, right. going out squirrel hunting, I wanted to come back with squirrels because I wanted them to be proud mm-hmm. of me. And that's what started it. Now, today, I realize the responsibility of, of harvesting all these animals because... I'm not going to waste them. So now I'm only going to harvest what I want to eat because I'm not going to waste what, what I'm out hunting for. And this is going to get me a little off of what I'm going to say next, but this is real and it is in the world today. And if, um, while you're listening to this, if you are a, if you are a non hunter, um, I appreciate you listening to this point. I do want to say that people hunt deer to harvest the meat. Mm-hmm. Is there sport in it? Is there fun? Yes, there is. I mean, from running the cameras, running trail cameras to finding sign and trails and, and reading nature signs, all the way down. I enjoy field dressing the deer. Mm-hmm. I enjoy butchering the deer 
the camp time, the fellowship, the camaraderie, the food, the four different kinds of chili that gets mixed together for everybody to eat. Like I enjoy all of that. That's all part of the experience. But the reason for deer season, people harvest the meat. We are not out shooting deer and leaving them lay. We are not out cutting one piece of meat off of them. We're not out cutting the antlers off to go home. We are harvesting these deer for the meat. Mm -hmm. These deer feed people. As a matter of fact, almost every state that has a firearm deer season in the United States has a share the harvest program where part people are allowed to donate their deer harvest to feed hungry people. And it's usually turned into to burger, to hamburger. The venison is ground up and donated. And well, a lot of times people are spending their own hard-earned right. money for that deer to be processed right. to be given to the poor. And I think that's a great, it's a great thing for hunters. In 2020, and I'm only going to speak for Missouri because that's where they live, and I, I didn't have the time or patience to look up every single state, but just in Missouri alone in 2020, 350,000 pounds of venison burger was donated to the needy because of hunters. Mm-hmm. And they're not selling it. That's what's, it's illegal to sell your game. So they're not making a profit on it. They're, they're donating it. And then this meat is going to feed people. Mm-hmm. They harvest enough to feed their families, and then they also donate it, and it feeds so many other people throughout their city and their state. Correct. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It, it it is it is amazing, and and I'm only speaking on Missouri. Like I said, in pretty much every state that has a firearm season now has a share of the harvest program, which which is amazing. And this isn't anything new. Mm-mm. Missouri started in 1992. Right. This has been going on for a long time. And, you know, what is that, 30 years? Hunters are, are there people, are there hunters that give other hunters bad names? Absolutely. But I think, I think in general, the concept of, of hunting really has this conservation mind and this give back mind and just wanting to provide for the people that they love and to be able to go out to the field and enjoy creation, to be outside and when you're out there, you're taking in so much more than just where's this deer coming from that I can shoot. Where's this deer that that is not hunting. People get this misconception that we're out there just blood dripping out of our mouths waiting to kill these deer. But mm-hmm. you are taking in everything from the way the wind is blowing to the smells that are hitting your nose, <clears throat> the squirrels gathering their nuts for the winter, the armadillo making so much noise behind you that it's absolutely driving you crazy. To, uh, it's November. Why is there a yellow jacket on my nose? I mean, you, you are taking in so many amazing things. The hawk hunting over your head, just making this hawk piercing noise. I could go on and on about all the things you experience out there, but until you go out and you do it, even if you don't have it in you, and not everybody does, and that's okay, if you don't have it in you to take the life of an animal, take a camera out there. Or just go out there with nothing and be out there and experience it because it really is a powerful thing to let wild go on around you and you just to be in be a part of it. Mm-hmm. It it really is um, a cool thing. Yeah, I, I I wrote an article when I was in high school that actually got published and I called it Wild Peace. Um, and I I was I was instructed to write to write about peace and I put this um, we'll call it a twist on it that. When, when you go hunting, people get this connotation of this, this barbaric killing. But you're in the wild, and this peace is brought to you. There, it, it, is a, it is this wild peace, and you can't escape from it no matter who you are if you go out into creation and into the outdoors. And that is part of the reason I'm so passionate um, about the things that I love and teach. Basically, it was that in my experience of when I had the intent, it was about the intent of the heart, I feel like animals act different. If, if an animal you're not going to harvest comes up and you have that intent of your heart, I'm just going to watch and enjoy with you, I feel like they act different than if one is coming up that you have the intent to, to kill. That's what the article was about. Well, I mean, to support hunting, whether you support it or you don't support it, you're still impacted by it. You are. No matter, yeah, that's true. Because... Even even vegans and vegetarians, I mean, they may not be eating meat, but the death of animals allows the plants to grow 
Mm-hmm. When well, we we talked about it in our last podcast, and soil that in order to have soil, you you have dead matter. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, even people know how important honeybees are to our ecosystems, and that we're losing honeybees. Well, one of the things that keeps honeybees healthy is clover. Mm-hmm. And deer love to eat clover. We have 1.2 million deer in the state of Missouri. That's our average number each year before season. We About 300,000 is what we harvest. If we stopped deer season today, in three years, that population would double. Mm-hmm. We'd have 2.4 million. And if we went another three years, we'd have 4.8 million. Well, do you know how much clover we would have left in the state of Missouri if we had 4.8 million deer? Not very much. Right. Do you know? I mean, it, it would affect our bees. Like, take away our deer season and it's going to affect... I talk about the food chain and the food web every time, and we do have dominion, so we do have a responsibility because we're living with them to to um, put procedures and processes and hunting seasons in to keep this balance. And nobody wants their kid driving down the road in a car with five million deer in a state and having some big buck smash into a car because people die and deer collision car accidents. Nobody wants that. Well, then they don't. And, and to make that evident, there is an area here that's actually in Springfield, Missouri. This has been several years ago, um, but it's called a nature center. And there are a lot of deer at the nature center. You can go walk these free trails, concrete concrete paved trails, mm-hmm. and you're going to see deer. But the population started getting really out of control. So when we talk about carrying capacity, there's yeah. too many deer it's for that It's an urban area. nature center. And it was an urban nature yeah. center. Yeah, it's in the city. It's it's southern side of, of the city. 60 acres. And on that 60 acres, yeah, the, there were too many deer. So they actually started uh, to allow archery hunts mm-hmm. on this to control that because right next to the nature center is a highway called 65 and very busy it's there's actually a, another intersection there of the highway 60 comes across and there's a lot of, of deer coming out from that property and so you have to control it and I used so to see a big old temple one in there i wouldn't have mind hitting right <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean the impacts it's it all has an impact on everyone no matter if you are for it or against it it does so, you know it's just it's knowledge is power and, and knowing this information hopefully will help everyone listening that we do need people to hunt um whether you want to, to hunt or not you know whether it's right or whether it's wrong that's a whole nother a whole nother topic in debate people care a lot about money mm-hmm. i mean a lot people care a lot about money maybe more than anything else <clears throat> and we give a lot of power to it unrightly so because it can't save our life um but deer hunters alone contribute 23 billion that is billion with a b 23 billion dollars to the US economy each year that is a significant significant economic impact not to mention 2.5 billion dollars in state taxes and 3.8 billion dollars in federal taxes hunters are so important to the US economy if you take if you want to go ahead and add in recreational um, sport shooters as well, so if you add in all the shooters and all the hunters in the United States, $149 billion are added to the economy every year because of people who hunt and shoot. Not to mention there are 970,000 jobs and $45 billion in wages that were created in 2020 because of shooters and hunters. And that's already not to mention all the good that's done because of all the millions and millions of pounds of meat that is is donated and saved from the animals that are harvested to to feed people that are they're hungry and poor. Um, and I don't think that we should that anybody should want to take away those positive impacts for our country. Um, I I really think it's wrong um, to desire to take anything those away. And I and I think that really comes from misunderstanding and, and not knowing and miscommunication. Um, not so much hatred. The the argument that uh, one argument that is going to come in against it is is firearms. You know um, that's kind of a misunderstood side too, and that it's dangerous, and that um, we make jokes about the Orange Army. And we say that because during firearm season you have to wear hunter orange in Missouri. In most states you have to wear under hunter orange shirt or jacket, your outer layer and hat as well. Um, that's a safety thing so that people aren't shooting each other. And so all these people that that don't spend a lot of time in the woods 
this is their time to go. So we call it the Orange Army because there's a lot of people that go out, spend some time in the woods, get their orange, and go do their thing. Um, and so we make we make jokes about that. But from the outside looking in, people get this connotation of there there are there are literally millions of people heading to the woods with guns in their hand. It is an army. I mean, if you brought all those people together, it would be an army. Mm-hmm. But it's actually really safe. One one stat that really really stuck out to me is that you are 62 times more likely to die in a car accident, not get in a car accident, 62 times more likely to die in a car accident than to get injured in a firearms hunting related accident. Not killed, just injured. Not killed, just injured. You are 62 times more likely to die in a car accident than to get injured, not killed, in a firearms related hunting accident. Yet we get in our cars every day and think we're going to turn that sucker around and come home after we're done. And I'll only talk about myself, but we, we look at our cell phones while we're driving. Yeah. So <laughs> and my, my point for saying that is that you are getting in your vehicle and traveling at high rate speeds around other people that are not even paying attention to what they're doing. That is just far more dangerous statistically than than going into the woods with a firearm. Mm-hmm. And most people are terrified of firearms instead <clears> of the, the reality of this automobile they're driving in. And there's a, there's there are millions. Each state spends millions and millions each year on firearm safety. And you do have to take a firearm hunter safety class to be able to go even hunt. So there are things that states have done to to make that happen and and the numbers show that it's working because in the Mm -hmm. last 20 years the number of injuries due to firearm related incidents while hunting is reduced over 50 percent 50.5 percent so the numbers show that those things are working and kudos to those states for for investing those money and making those regulations so that people do have to get educated and practice and get a certification before they just go out and do it that's so important absolutely yeah, definitely and we've already established that so many people do and there's a massive economic impact and that it's so popular but ben why why is firearm deer season so popular why i mean millions of people there are almost 10 million people who hunt deer with a rifle each year i think it's about a, a lot of what we talked about it's the culture they grew up in it's memories being made um, I mean, all the memories and stories that you have, just mm-hmm. just you and your family. Um, jobs. We talked about the jobs. We talked about it's food for you and your family and for feeding others. Um, also, I think it's innate in a lot of men to be hunters, to actually go out and, and harvest these game. It's, it is something that is inside us that we, that we want to go do. And once we're exposed to it, we, we realize, wow, this is something that, that is fun. Yeah. And, and you and you said, man, I don't want to leave women out, too. There's a lot of, of great women hunters, and there's a lot of cultures that women actually were the hunters. Um, and I think it's innate in everybody to go out and enjoy creation and bring food home for your family to provide. Whether, whether you're a man, woman, or kid, it feels good to provide for other people and to provide for yourself. It feels yeah. good. It is gratifying. It is. Um, and Definitely. I think that's a huge part of it. But if you look at the numbers, you know, we'll, we'll say we're gonna we're gonna round them off. Let's say there's there's a, and I'm saying let's say because I'm rounding off actual actual data and numbers here. There's about 10 million um, gun hunters and about two million people that only hunt with bow. So why why is there five times more firearms hunters than bow hunters? I mean, is well, it? I mean, what, my answer is because it's it's easier. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is easier to harvest a deer with a firearm than it is um, a bow and arrow. It is. And and the reason that it's easier, um, <clears throat> you know, to be a great shooter with a firearm, and, and some people are just naturally better than, than others, but to be a great, great shooter, it takes a lot of practice. But to be sufficient enough to harvest a deer, I'll be honest, it doesn't take a whole lot of practice. Right. It, it really doesn't. <clears throat> it doesn't take a whole lot of technique and form. You can have bad form and technique and, and with modern equipment still harvest a deer. However, when you get into archery, even with really awesome modern archery equipment, there's a lot of technique that goes in, into it. And um, if you're doing it improperly, it makes it very difficult to harvest a deer. Um, and and uh, not to mention just 
the the hunting techniques applied with deer or with firearms excuse me you can wear blue jeans and in a and a flannel shirt and go sit beside a tree so many states put their deer their firearm deer season around the rut the mm-hmm. breeding season for mm-hmm. white-tailed deer that deer are deer are running around you can sit on a tree on the edge of a cattle field in your blue jeans and your flannel shirt smoking a cigarette with your thermos of coffee and harvest a deer okay. it may not be a five-year-old 180 inch buck but if you want something for some food for the table you're probably going to be able to get one so really anybody can go do it yeah. really anybody if if you have done your due diligence you should shoot your firearm you should be familiar with a firearm and get your hunter safety certification there's a lot of safety things that go into it and most people are safe and the numbers show that but you don't have to take it so serious that it takes away from the experience and you don't have to take it so serious to be successful you really don't should right. take it safe, but you don't have to take it so serious because a lot of people, I think, ruin their enjoyment by taking it too serious. And and I, I'm only guessing you're saying taking it too serious because you're you're putting these uh, maybe stipulations on what you can kill or can't kill in mm-hmm. regards to the gender of the deer, the size of the deer, the age of the deer, the weight of the deer. You know, I think that's something at, at a young age when I was first starting out. My grandpa, and my uncles never said, "Hey." You can't kill this or you can't do this. It was whatever you see, yeah. harvest, because we're going to eat it. However, you do have to have the correct tags. Absolutely. So, you know, following the rules, you talk about safety, but it's also following the rules and knowing what the rules are because everyone does have access to hunt both public land. So yeah. everybody can hunt public. And then we also have private. So mm-hmm. you may know people, you may ask people and get permission. Um, but we do have the opportunity to hunt as Americans. Absolutely. And that's that's awesome. So everybody has that opportunity and you can you can travel to you can pick a state. Some people hunt in five different states each year. You can pick other states and 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 go hunt if you want right. to, but as long as you're obtaining and following that state's laws and regulations as well. But I want you to dig into this because you and I hunting all of our lives, being in the hunting community, there are people that have have shared before that it isn't fun anymore mm-hmm. because of maybe some standards people have set that there aren't real standards. Um, what might that be? Well, and I'm glad you asked that because you, you, you made a comment just a moment ago and it kind of wanted to send me down this rabbit hole. And, and that comment was um, that some people take it too serious because of the expectations they set and that I can only shoot a buck this size and at this distance or I'll only shoot it with a bow and not with a firearm. Where I get frustrated is in the hunting world, you have people that, like I said, will literally wear a flannel shirt, maybe that they checked cows in last night, blue jeans from dirt on them from their work, their chores this morning, cigarettes, red man chew, whatever, whatever, and I'm not trying to build a stereotype here. I'm, what I'm trying to show show is is that um, there's there's two ends of the spectrum and then everywhere in between. And so I'm I'm giving the radical end of each spectrum here. I'm not trying to stereotype anybody. Um, and and they've got their coffee and their and their biscuit from the corner store and they're well, they're wearing their aftershave. They yeah, shave the morning and they're wearing their their cologne smelling aftershave. Their cologne smelling aftershave on and. They got their vest on with the dog hair on it, like they're they're sitting on a, a leaned up against a, a tree. Their boots they wear uh, to pour concrete, right? In with for the a whole with an eight millimeter Mauser from World War Two. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know I'm saying this, and I actually have people in my mind that are, that I know that I've been around that are coming to my mind. And then the other side of the spectrum is you've got people that are only gonna wear the certain kind of camo, the most expensive camo. They're only going to shoot a cert, certain kind of rifle. They keep a washer and dryer outdoors. They keep a washer and dryer outdoors only that wash is only for their hunting clothing. Yep. Um, they spray everything They spray everything down. They spray the inside of their truck down with, with scent elimination things. Um, they only hunt out of certain kind of stands and only if the wind is exactly this right direction. The talent washcloth they're using to wash their body has also been treated in the, the scent system. Yeah. Absolutely. So they brush nothing. they brush their they brush their teeth. Um 
they brush their teeth with scent elimination toothpaste charcoal <laughs> and and i feel a little more i feel a little more um liberated to share this side because this is probably more of the side that i'm on than the other side so i feel i've got way to that be stuff, honest you know? way to be honest yeah yeah I'll, I'll be candid and honest here um actually as i get older i get a little more and more away from that but there was a time where i was all in on on this this end of the spectrum i'm, I'm describing here um and and they're only going to shoot 180 inch bucks and they're going to let everything go what i want to say is both sides are right nobody is more right than the other side and there's every other hunter that's in between people that wear camo but don't really care that it's washed and detergent people that wear walmart camo people that may wear a camo shirt and, and then jeans people that wear their tennis shoes out people that shoot only eight pointers and and uh, people that will shoot anything they see the their whole spectrum is there everyone is right they're all right the problem comes in when we slander somebody else on the hunting spectrum mm-hmm. because that we are somewhere else on the hunting spectrum and we want to raise ourselves up above them. Both sides do it. Nobody is guiltless. Right. Both sides do it. You've got the, the one side that's wearing their final shirt saying, well, you waste all your money. What's the point in that? You're just trying to get meat for the freezer. And then you've got the other side saying, well, you don't respect the animals. You just shoot everything that comes out. I'm going to see way more deer than you, and I, you'll never kill a big buck like me. Well, I got news for you. I've seen some really big bucks killed by people that just go sit beside a fence post. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens every year. Mm-hmm. Saw a picture of it this morning. I mean, nobody's right. Everybody is wrong as soon as you start slandering somebody else because of the way they go deer hunt. Correct. What is important is that you go out, you experience creation. First off, it's it's that you are being safe right respecting the equipment the training everything that that you need to do you don't just wake up and be like i'm gonna go do this today there is preparation that needs to go in to be safe and Mm -hmm. it's also then following the the laws and the rules that that has been set forth after that comes the goal yeah what is your goal yeah you and you get to set that right now there are states that will guide that goal Mm -hmm. in missouri uh, for example, some counties have antler point restrictions, and you have to be respectful enough, one, to do your due diligence to learn them because nobody's going to come knock on your door and say, hey, I heard you hunt in, in Cedar County. They've got to... No, you have to do the, your due diligence you to find the literature to, to learn that and educate yourself. That right. is respect. You are need to be that respectful. And you may live in a county that has those restrictions, and you have to kill a buck that has four points on one side. Well, here's an example. So... This is the first hunting season for me in the county that I'm going to hunt. That is, if I harvest one this weekend, I have to go take it to get it tested. Mm -hmm. That's new for me in the county that I'm going to hunt. Now, counties in the past have had to do that. So for me, I'm I'm like, well, do I even hunt this weekend? Because if I do harvest one, am I even going to have time to take this thing out to where I'm supposed to take it to have it tested? Because legally, that's what I'm supposed to do. So now I have to come to this decision on... And the testing is for disease, for chronic wasting disease. Chronic wasting disease. Right. So I have some time to hunt opening morning, but not a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So if, if I don't harvest one by a certain time, then ethically, morally, I need to leave. Because even if I harvest it, I'm not going to have time to go get it checked in. So right. that following the, the safety, the rules, the laws is going to impact your goal in, in what you can or should or should not do. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. then you 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 do have a responsibility to be respectful of the other hunters that are out there. Right. Whether you're on private or public property, because there are going to be people hunting on the properties next to you, and you need to be respectful of them, because it's not just you, it's not just your world, they're not just your animals. We, the people, own those animals. Um, and, and if you really want to get down to it, they're they're God's animals, and, and uh, he, he gave us dominion over them, but they are. They're on loan to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you really need to respect nature. And with nature, I'm going to say from the tree that your tree stand is in to the animal that you're harvesting. And that can get down to knowing what an ethical shot is and, and being prepared to make an ethical shot. Um, I've, uh, I've been on both ends of that. I've, I've seen people... Um, it's really easy to get caught up in the moment when you're deer hunting. It really is. You've got adrenaline and emotion... It's hard to think. You're shaking, physically shaking. Um, 
if you're a non-hunter and you're still listening at this point, you're probably thinking you're shaking. Uh, if you're about to achieve your goal, if you set out to achieve whatever that goal is, whatever your animal target animal is, and you're about to harvest it, um, it's such an intimate thing when they're in range that a, a lot of people, we call it buck fever, but it happens for some people with does. Uh, um, it kind of, some people get numb to it over time, but I can remember that my first deer, I was literally shaking. Every part of my body was quivering and I was about to just shoot a doe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're impacted physically and emotionally and you can be overcome in the moment and do something that you know you shouldn't. I would question anybody that loses that, what you're talking about. Yeah. If they should, if they should still be doing still it. Still be going, yeah. And because you said, you know, you start feeling that you get nervous, this nervousness. But as I found in everything you do in life, when when your body goes into this nervousness state, it actually heightens your senses. You're you're more aware to what's happening in this in this second because of that nervousness. When you lose that and you're numb to it. Main, are you really paying attention to what's behind you? There's been times that I have felt this nervousness that I've been prompted, don't shoot, don't shoot, so I don't. Mm-hmm. Even though it, I thought it was perfect, I got this feeling of I shouldn't do it, so I don't. Right. And then I wait until I get a better shot or it's closer or I can 100% verify that I know what's behind whatever it is I'm shooting at. So the nervousness is, is a good thing. It, it is. really is. And is and and you are you're you're taking a life too. You are. And that's part of it. There's that, a responsibility that comes into in that. The, mm-hmm. and, and there's yeah excitement. It's kind of the whole gamut of emotions. But what I really want to say is that people will do things they shouldn't. And and you know, my whole point is to respect nature and respect the animal. Um, and even though you're about to take it li- take its life, you don't have the right to. Um, let's say it's a big butt buck and all you can see is its head. You know, people will try to shoot it in the head because this is big buck and they have to have it well you you are more respectful to let that opportunity pass and either let somebody else have a chance at that or for you to get another chance of that than you are to take an unethical shot and try to shoot this deer in the head um and i'm sorry if i just called you out on that but it's not it's not ethical to shoot a deer why in the head because um bullets can refract and a lot of times you can literally rip their face off and damage them and, and not kill them um i know people that have done it <clears throat> and it's it is not an ethical kill shot it is not um you you can the actual target of what you're shooting at is so small um to to kill them instantly um you've got parts of the skull and jaw and nose and you can literally rip their face off and let Mm -hmm. them go suffer this long agony of a death and not kill them um and that is not respectful right it is not respectful so it's good information um we we have that responsibility to be respectful of, of everybody, and I would just ask that, that this season, as you go out, um, set your goals um, for you and your your family and the people you're providing for. Set out to achieve them. Enjoy the process along the way, um, and uh, leave the other people out of it. If unless you want to congratulate and build them up, but anything that you would say that is going to tear them down or raise you up above them, uh, maybe take that one and put it in your in your shirt pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, preach on that one, man. Yeah. So move, moving on from that, not to be so serious. Uh, I mean, it is still serious, but not to be so emotional. The safety side of gun season is really important. Um, what What are some things that you're going to do, Ben? You've already mentioned some of them just in your talk um, to make sure that, that you are safe during rifle season. Well, I always make for sure I, I, I shoot my firearm before I take it out on my yep. first hunt. I want to make Why? sure that— Why do you do that? I want to make sure that it's accurate. Um, which is the, the reason why I'm taking it out. But in that process of, of really getting it ready, I'm making sure that it's functional still, right? Mm-hmm. That it's a, it's a safe firearm that my, d- depends on what I told you earlier about the whole, um, 30, 30, you know, with iron sights, but, um, make sure the mechanics are working on it. Nothing's rusted that my, my ammunition is, is still act it's all functioning the way it should before i take this thing out yeah and then making sure that it is sighted incorrectly so that when i go to take my shot it's an ethical kill that you talked about that yeah, i, I know things happen even if you keep your firearm in a case and it's got an optic on it you you correct. can bump or i've seen uh guys just driving down a bumpy gravel road and and their optics get get knocked off um, but it goes back to the intent so i'm doing all that i can do in the moment that what i i can do with it right. i can't do more than what i'm doing and so if something does happen along the way, that's a part of, of learning how to pivot and adapt. Yeah. But 
Um, One other thing on the firearm that a lot of people will lose sight of because they'll say, well, I used it last year. It was great. I cleaned it and I put it away. I know it's going to be in working condition. If you've cleaned it, if you've cleaned it properly and stored it with oil in the barrel, then when you go to shoot that firearm, uh, a lot of times your first round needs to burn that oil out of your barrel. Um, And it can actually overspin uh, because of the lubrication. It can overspin the, the first bullet that comes out while it's lubricated and cause that to be an inaccurate shot. So you should at least fire at one time to burn that oil out. Um, so if you take it out and you and you shoot and it's accurate, you burn the oil out, you're, you're good. You're good to go. You don't have to make any adjustments. But um, don't just take it out all fresh and clean from last year and, and shoot it at a deer. It shouldn't be your first shot. No, it really shouldn't. And I think it also goes back to I, I like to I like to know the equipment I'm taking, any kind, whatever it is, from a pocket knife to a tent to a firearm. I want to know... And if I haven't used it for a whole year, I got to get back to remembering how to use it again. <clears throat> and yeah. for instance, people like, well, no dub in sometimes the direction of the safety. So there are, depending on what rifle you're using, if you're using the same one as last year, there is a fire position, there's a safe position and there's a, like a completely off safe, yeah. you know, and it depends which, what brand you have. And, and so just really be getting familiar with my firearm again, um, before going out being around other people possibly. Yeah, the triggers, um, if you've shot other firearms between now and then, the triggers are different mm-hmm. and, and the kick is different, the recoil, all that is, is different. So it is good to get familiar with. Um, that's a that's a really good point, yeah. Kind of almost have to have a relationship yeah, uh, with, with that firearm. Absolutely. Because yeah. you may not be able to think fully clearly in the moment because there's a lot going on. So it almost right. needs to be, to, to be second nature. And you and I, <clears throat> we don't necessarily use checklists for this because we've done it so many times but it is good to have a checklist um do you have your tags did you purchase them now that you now that you purchase them over your phone and you don't have to go in person to walmart or bass pro to have this physical thing with you right you know are are you remembering your tags before you go out so making sure you get your tags making sure that you have your orange why are you smiling when you say that because you and i (laughs) we have entered into the woods the woods edge and I believe it was me that said, hey, Brian, <laughs> did we hit pay on our tags? Yeah. And so we had to check ourselves, right, before we went out hunting. And it was a good thing you did because uh, we had not completed our purchase of our permits. So we set, literally sat down right where we're at and thank goodness for technology and, and completed yeah, our purchase of our permits before we hunted. Um, you know, on the on the, the prepping side of do I have my orange? Do I have the stocking cap the best? Do I have what's required for me in this area? Um, and then the equipment that I'm taking out with me, mm-hmm. is it ready to go? And is that's your- where people can get hurt of, you know, they use this climber deer stand last year, but have they set it up before they, yeah. did you check, did, did you, you check, check the cables? Yeah. Right. You check your cables. Did you check the stands that you've had up that you've left all year long? Mm-hmm. Have you even checked those yet before you went out? Yeah. Um, is, you know, is your knife that you're going to field dress with, is it sharp? Is it clean? Is it ready to go? Right. A dull knife is a dangerous knife. You so know what? Have you done those little things? When I was younger, um, I remember I had a, a knife that I hadn't used in like two or three years. And when I pulled that out, it still had blood <laughs> and hair <laughs> from my last harvest. And yeah. it, it had rusted. There's some yeah. rusty parts on it. It's it done, <laughs> you know. But really going through and just making sure that everything you need is prepped and ready. Yeah. And then when you... Once you've done that and you, and you get out to the woods, there's kind of uh, woods, field, blind, stand, wherever you hunt. There's so many options. Um, just right. make sure you're following the rules and you're not doing it from your truck window or your house window. Right. Because um, that is illegal. Yeah. Hunt hunt from a legal position for sure. Um, once you get out there, you know all all of what you're talking about, Ben. These the shooting, the it's all so exciting and it's kind of then you get out there and you get set and it's like. <sighs> There's kind of just this almost relief that comes over you. Like, I've done all that. I've made it. Like, you want to clap for yourself. I'm here. There's, there's still this excitement because with deer hunting, it's constant anticipation. Constant. You never know when and where they're coming from, and you just have this constant anticipation. How big is it going to be, especially during the rut? Every time you hear the leaves moving, you're like, oh, the big boy's chasing out. You know, it's constant. But there's still this relax, <clears throat> relaxed feeling that you have and kind of this relief of, I've made it. This is my goal to get out here and hunt. Now I get to enjoy. I get to enjoy the experience, but there's still so many safety aspects that need to go in 
and you've mentioned some of them. And one is because you're excited, you need to be diligent in identifying your target before you pull the trigger and not just identifying it, but identifying what's behind it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that can happen before you ever see your deer. Right. Okay. I can shoot here, here, and here. If a deer comes out here, I can shoot here. Oh man, there might be a house over that hill. I probably better not shoot that direction. And then you need to remember that when that time comes. And if the deer is on that hill, don't shoot. You've already Mm -hmm. told yourself, you know, it's not, even if it's the biggest buck of your life, it is not worth that bullet going through that deer and traveling into that house and injuring or killing somebody, God forbid. Mm -hmm. So take your time, understand where you can and, and cannot shoot, and not only identify your target properly. You know, I knew, um, I had a teacher in junior high <clears throat> and her grandfather was actually shot turkey hunting because somebody thought he was a turkey. Um, and so it happens. It sounds silly. It sounds crazy, but people are excited to be out there. Take your time. Make sure you are shooting and harvesting what you want. People have decoys now. People will walk through the woods with a decoy. Make sure you're not shooting somebody carrying a decoy. Make well, sure it a is decoy, a decoy. Yeah. If you got a decoy though. Man, cover it up. Yeah, Yeah, put Put orange orange on on it. it. Be smart. Don't walk around with a decoy. Um, While hunting, have your head on a swivel, too. If if you're hunting in a public area and you see orange, don't ever shoot that way. Mm -mm. I mean, know, be paying attention, be aware. Um, You know, you were talking about kind of that that calm that comes over you of like, I'm here. That for me is when that sun comes up because I've been freezing all morning. Yeah, and not even when it comes up. Sun. When it finally makes it, yeah. I'm watching it creep to my toes. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, just hit my boots. Just hit yeah. my boots, please. Once that sun hits me and I start warming up, man, that's like nap <clears> time. <laughs> I have fallen asleep many yeah. a time deer hunting. Yeah. Many a time. And so, you know, if, if you decided to take a nap, Man, if you're doing it in a tree stand, make sure that your harness is tight and set. Yeah, that's another safe. Um, that's another safety thing of if you are getting in a tree stand, guys. There is no, there is no excuse with mm-hmm. today's safety equipment and how affordable it is. For fifty dollars, you can wear a safety harness that if you fall or your tree stand fails, you get to go home and see your family. Mm-hmm. People, been our wives work in a, a rehabilitation hospital. They get car accidents and strokes and brain injuries. Um, This month, in the last month, they've had multiple people in their 20s and 30s paralyzed for the rest of their life because they fell out of a tree stand. And that is uh, wives and husbands and and kids' worst nightmare when when their family goes out to do something as enjoyable and, and as gratifying and providing as hunting to, to have something terrible like that happen. Um, and, and bad things do happen, but you can do your part to to mitigate that risk. You can't eliminate it, but you can mitigate it, uh-huh. uh, reduce it, whatever word you want to use. Go to Walmart. Go to Bass Pro. <clears throat> I don't care what store. Academy. Get a harness. A lot of your tree stands that you buy come with them. Wear the one that comes with them. Um, it ties you to the tree, so that if you fall, you've got a four-point harness on. There's even safety lines that you can tie around the top of your stand and go down to the bottom so that while you're climbing, you're completely clipped in while you're climbing so that at any point you fall, you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, well, <clears throat> that stuff wasn't, when you and I started hunting, that stuff wasn't around. There wasn't a lot of it. There wasn't. I my The very first time I went firearm deer hunting, I climbed up in a built stand. What I mean by that, it was <clears throat> scrap lumber built and put together. And the ladder to get up to it was railroad spikes hammered into the tree. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a like a, a a tree that had three trunks, and the spikes were through the middle of this. Um, and, you know, I'm talking, I'm in boots that are too big, clothes that are too big. I'm too young. The gap is made for a grown man, and I'm climbing this. Now, don't ever climb a tree with your firearm. You need to have a, a rope, and you tie your firearm off to that rope with the muzzle pointed down unloaded and then once you're safely up in your tree you can pull that firearm up to you or bow or anything that anything extra any equipment you really shouldn't be climbing with any equipment at all you should mm-hmm. tie it off to a, a rope and pull it up to you but i'm so i'm climbing this and that's what we do today we, yeah, we do that we today do. yes back in the day we didn't really no. do a lot of that and, and so i'm climbing this and i get up there and it's like 30 feet high and mm-hmm. the railings are as tall as i am and and i just I shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have been doing it. Um, but it wasn't. 
the the safety harnesses and safe lines and ropes they weren't around and if they were they were they weren't made for hunting they were made for tree trimming um, and they didn't make them in kid sizes now they have them for if your kid is old enough to hunt they make a safety harness that fits them mm-hmm. you can you can go get it and um, it is more important your life is more important than um, even those experiences so yes go out and do all those things to enjoy the hunting experience and provide for your family but you have to you have to be respectful enough to yourself and others that you're 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 being safe. Yeah, for sure. And I think we've hit that that there are so many things that you can do in the outdoors, but safety um, should come first. Mm-hmm. And with hunting, um, man, I, I have done a lot of stupid things. I really have growing up, like uh, done things that that didn't know. And and what's so awesome is that today. The hunting industry is is so massive that, I mean, yeah, we used to make our own tree stands. You mm-hmm. know, we would paint the the two by fours black paint or some way to to try to keep them up longer so they wouldn't rot out. Right? Like yeah. there was a there was a lot of now you have ladder stands, double man ladder stands, and um, we just didn't have a lot of that growing up, and now we do. And but those pose risks that people fall out of them, and so now you're still having to wear harnesses and and no matter how this goes, maybe there's one day uh, a, a drone you can hunt out of sitting in the drone and it hovers off the ground, but there will be a I risk hope not. To, to doing it. And so um, it really isn't about cool or not cool. Man, if if, if there are steps to take that's going to help you come out safe and, and back to your family, then, then do it, guys. Do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ben, I think we should end with... Um, some hunting memories you know people people tell us they like to hear our stories and i have a lot of stories surrounding firearm hunting and and i know i know you do too uh why why don't you share and and then i'll go you know a a a quick story um and why this one's coming to me is because this was actually the littlest deer that i'd ever harvested (laughs) was i there for this no you weren't i think you you may have you may have showed up to help, but I really didn't need it. I can't remember if you showed up or not, but um, I, had, I went into to the wood line where I was going to hunt, and um, it was right at daylight, so I was a little later than I wanted to be going in, but I had busted several deer. You know, sounded like 20, but it was only like four, right? They're just going crazy and, and blowing. And blowing is that I, I spooked them, scared them, they smelt me, so they're, they're telling all their other friends to run away, and I'm yeah. like, oh, man. So... I go in, um, got to my stand and really didn't see anything all day and got back down, was coming out. It was in the afternoon. Um, I didn't stay the entire day to hunt. Um, it was just going to be a morning hunt. And on the way out, busted them again. So they had gathered again, and, and, and I don't know if they were bedding down there all day or what was happening. Well, I don't even know what phase we were in, of yeah. rut, pre, pre or post, whatever. Um, I just know I busted them again. And I was like, I'm going to get one of them. So where I hunt at, um, there is an open field that I have access to, a uh, permission to, to be in. And and so when I busted them again, they had went this opposite direction where I knew that if I got out in this field, I could walk in the field quietly. And that's exactly what I did. I, I got in the field. I was able to get up and around them before they could get to where I thought they were going to be. And again, this is rifle season, so it just makes it so easy when you have a rifle to harvest a deer because I was, it was about a 70-yard shot. I walked it off and I was done, but it was about 70 yards through the woods. Yeah. So if I'm trying to do that with a bow and arrow, not only can I not, I personally can't shoot that far with my bow and arrow, I'm going to hit twigs, limbs, trees, like I can't get through there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had found this, this dead tree was laying over the fence and I literally laid my rifle right over this tree and it was just, everything was perfect. And I thought they've got to be coming through. They got to be coming through. And I'm looking through my, my scope and I start seeing legs move. And I was like getting giddy. I was like, I'm on them. I knew that I, that everything behind me, there was, it was a safe shot. I knew I was good. The thing that I was questioning is, is am I going to be able to get through all this brush? Right. You know, but every time that I was looking through my scope, I mean, it was clear, like it was so clear. I had this opening and I thought as soon as they come through here, I'm going to shoot. So they started moving in. They moved right into where I has, where I had a clear shot moving right in, but they wouldn't stand still. And so I had to wait and wait. 
And finally, one stood still. Didn't know which one it was. I didn't know if it was the biggest, the littlest. It was just, it was time to, to harvest, man. Yeah. Didn't care. Wanted meat. <clears throat> and I let it fly. And when I got up to that thing, <laughs> I could literally <laughs> throw it over my shoulder. <laughs> Hadn't even gutted it. <laughs> didn't even have to remove any weight. I threw it over my shoulder. But let me tell you, it was the best tasting deer I've ever had. Yeah. Those so, are those when you when you go to butcher, you grab the tenderloin and you can literally just peel it. That's what out. I did. You yeah, with my fingers I peeled it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's when you so know good. you're in good for a good supper. But yeah, it was it was fun. It was uh it was a good morning and, and I got meat out of it. So Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the a story I want to share. I want to share about my first my first buck. Um and times times are different now. Um and there's kind of a progression of a hunter, but People now, you know, well, what did it score? You know, was it 140 inch, 150 inch? What was the spread? They ask all these these detailed questions. Um, and back when I was doing this, people cared about the size of the buck. People would say, was it eight point, ten point? Remember, girls in junior thought high thought that meant how many tails they had. Uh, oh my gosh, like we're in a rural rural school, you know? It's 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 the points on their antlers. Let's go. Uh, but I wanted a buck as as a as a young kid. You know, I was probably. I want to say 12, 13. I wanted a buck. I wanted antlers. I don't even know if I understood that the older they got, the bigger the antlers got at that point. I just wanted to shoot something that had antlers on it. And so um, I had picked this spot, you know, the, the farm that I was hunting on was kind of crowded. And uh, so there's this big piece of land that was like 120 acres. And then across from it was just like five acres, but it was actually across the road. Well, nobody wanted the five acres. Nobody wanted to cross the road, climb the fence. And I thought, you know what? I'll go over there. So I, I picked out a tree. I put a, a climber stand in it. Um, and I went down there and it was really quiet for a long time. I didn't see anything. Um, and I can remember it was kind of an old overgrown field and it was a bunch of bigger cedar trees that had taken over this field. But there was a lot of lanes and walkways in between them. And all of a sudden I, I just looked up and like it was Christmas, a, a four-pointer a big old four pointer standing out in this lane and, and I shot it with my thirty thirty just like you Ben and, and I harvested it and this was before everybody had a cell phone mm-hmm. and so uh we had uh, two way radios. I had a two way radio in my backpack and my dad had a two way radio and I turned it on and as I turned it on I could hear other hunters that were on the same channel talking and I just remembered this pride of I got a buck and I'm getting ready to tell my dad so other hunters can hear me that I got a buck. And and I did. I, I, I called my dad and said, you know, I bucked down or whatever I said and asked for help. And then you could hear these guys over the radio talking, oh, they must be moving, you know. He, did you hear that guy? That boy said he got a buck. That boy, they must be moving. And I just remember that 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 pride, that, that gratification of I, I finally got my buck. You know, looking back on that, I laugh because – you know, a year and a half old buck, but that was my goal. And, yeah. and I, I achieved it and it made me feel great. And, and not only that, there was other men that heard me do it. So I felt, I felt like a man. Yeah. And, and that's the feeling it gave me. And, and, uh, I wanted to make up, uh, those men proud and my dad proud. And I felt like I did in that moment. So those memories stick with me, you know, 20, 25 years later. Right. Yeah, and that's, that's good. Yeah. At least yours didn't still have milk. In the mouth, like my, <laughs> like mine did, as yeah, when, I was carrying it out that day. Shot it, did the spots fall off of it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, a good one. you know, we are kind of all over the place with this, to be honest with you. But I hope you've enjoyed it. I, I hope that um, our passion for hunting, if you're not a hunter, um, uh, maybe it provided you some understanding um, of of hunters and, and the economic impact that deer hunting does have on our country if you are a hunter i hope you are pumped up for missouri season i hope you're pumped up for whatever season um you have coming up in the state that you live in i hope that you take those steps to to be safe be safe with your firearm um be respectful to nature to yourselves to all the other hunters um and remember that whether whatever end of the hunting spectrum you're on whether um, you have all the expensive gear and you're only going to shoot big bucks or you're just out there to shoot the first thing that comes in and enjoy creation. You're all out there for the for really the same reason and with the same um, motives. So care for each other and don't slander each other. Uh, that is it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the podcast, find our Linktree link on our social media pages and become a patron. We would love your financial support. 
Follow us on our Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and of course, whatever platform you listen on. Please subscribe, hit the automatic download button, and leave us a review. Until next time, we hope you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.